When it comes to the festive season, you can't beat John Lewis, can you, Charlotte? John Lewis is Christmas in the UK, isn't it? And you can buy everything under one roof. Although we're not going under one roof this time, we're going online. <laughs> but I do love the fact that I can buy everything from house decorations to stuff the children, my husband, me, my beauty products, everything. It's all there. It's also particularly good for fashion right now. They have the best cosy wear out there. If you are looking to snuggle up over the coming season, there is cashmere, there is loungewear, there is something for everybody. They've also just launched their 12 Days of Christmas dressing campaign. They've collaborated with some of our favourite high street retailers from Hush to Whistles for an exclusive capsule collection of 12 amazing outfits. And there are sparkles for Christmas as well as great loungewear. There's basically something for everyone. Love it. And I don't know about you, but I will definitely be getting dressed up at home because it's Christmas and it wouldn't be Christmas without some sparkle. They're also doing these amazing virtual styling sessions, which you can do from the comfort of your own home. How does that work? They are. You can speak to a John Lewis stylist over video call. They will help you go through existing pieces in your wardrobe and help you find new ways to wear them. And it's all for free. For free. For free. Amazing. Well, with all that and free delivery over £50 and free click and collect on orders over £30, I can honestly say it's never made more sense to shop at John Lewis. So get on over there, johnlewis.com. I'm off. See you later. See you, bye. Hello and welcome to today's Sherlock's In Conversation with podcast. Today I'm joined by Jamie Lang, a man of many talents, co-founder of Candy Kittens, the company making sweets for grown-ups, a reality TV star on Made in Chelsea, and now, I feel like I should be singing, I won't, a dancing (laughs) sensation on Strictly. I'm also joined by Charlotte Collins, my co-host on this podcast, and we are here to chat everything from... Becoming a celebrity, not you, Charlotte, him, um, starting a business, <laughs> training for Strictly. Uh, you might give us, you know, a bit of gossip about Sophie because she's now one of our Lux girls <laughs> and everything in between. How lovely to see you. How are you? Thanks. So you, you did just say that you're learning the samba today. Can I just tell you now, doing Strictly Come Dancing is a most amazing thing, but it's also one of the worst things in the world. Jamie, because- just so you know, you are talking to two people who have never been more desperate to do anything like but Strictly in their life. Like, <laughs> I've never wanted to do anything True more. story. True story. Yeah. Guys, it is so full on. And this week... I am dancing the samba to the song Papa Heo la, la, Leo. Yeah, the samba's all about being really sexy. And obviously that oozes out of me. So it's <laughs> Jamie, that's re- really yeah. worrying me. The samba's like, you know, it's the end of the game, isn't it, for most people? Don't say that. What? Isn't the samba like the hardest dance? Isn't the samba the hardest dance? Yeah, the samba's the hardest. So there's like little like ticks to each dance, supposedly. Honestly, if I met the samba in a pub, I would glass it. I would honestly, <laughs> I hate the samba so much because it's all about like, it's this up and down movement. And I don't know about you guys. I don't know if you it's have, hard. Have you, have you yeah. ever tried to like move your hips, but keep your upper body still at the same time? And it just—it's impossible. Yeah. It's a roll, so isn't it? It's the body roll, isn't it? it it's yeah. a body roll. Yeah. It's being sexy. You're trying to have to channel Ricky Martin, but then I don't know if it's Ricky Martin that you have to channel. So I basically look like a middle-aged guy who is trying to be sexy and dance, but he looks hammered when he does it. That's what I'm looking like. <laughs> We're all on your side now, and we're going to back you through Samba Week because that's a bit of a raw deal in week three. If you ask me. Listen, when you do something like Strictly, the, the first thing you really don't want to go week one or week two. It's just, you just don't, because you just think it's just one of the worst things. 
And honestly, every single night that you do it, before you go on stage, you're thinking, why am I doing this? You feel like you want to vomit. You feel like, oh, God, this is the worst thing in the world. And then when you start dancing it, it doesn't really get any better. And, and all you're doing is thinking, oh, no, I've missed that one. Oh, no, I've missed that. Oh, no, I've missed that. And then you, when you complete it, it's the most incredible feeling. It was great. We, we loved it. There was a lot of whipping in my house. And I've got three little people who think you are the bee's knees. So um, my husband's an accountant. He does not believe in voting in reality TV shows. Cookie was like, Daddy, this is Mummy's work. If he doesn't get through, then there's no podcast because he's on It Takes Two. So he was a very grumpy accountant as he handed his mobile over on Saturday night for us to vote for you. Uh, you've got Georgie to thank for still yeah doing it's all thanks to me now we've got lots of Strictly chat to get through but we're going to go back we've got to start with MIC I mean who isn't MIC these days well you're one of the only originals I was say you're, you're an OG though aren't you how did it start how did it come about it kind of started because basically they wanted to create a TV show which was similar to The Hills they wanted to create a version of The Hills but in the UK and MTV were going to do it and they were going to call it Smokers and that was just a really bad name and yeah. was never going to work you couldn't get Smokers so, uh, yeah really innovative in them and then what happened was this Channel 4 came along and they said we want to do a TV show we want to call it Chelsea Girls we want to follow women who live in Chelsea and the lies that they lead that you know thinks of sex in the city that's what it was going to be to begin with and it kind of then sort of manifested and changed and it became made in Chelsea. So it was about a group of friends who live in Chelsea, who live a certain lifestyle, supposedly, and, you know, come from a sort of privileged background. That was the idea. And lots of my friends started doing it. And lots of us were asked. And I thought it's the worst idea in the world. Why would you be wanting to follow around a camera because you're posh and things like this? And, and I thought it was honestly the worst idea. And I said, I would never do it in a million years. I would never, ever, ever do it. Probably like a lot of people said that. And when the first show happened, it came out, and my friend Spencer and Kagi and Hugo were all doing it. So they were all pals already, right? We were all friends, so all of us were really good pals. And it was sort of the right age and right time, I suppose. We were sort of that age, we were going out in London and things like that. And they did it, and I said, it's the worst idea of your life. I don't know why you've done this, all these kind of things. And then it started to seem like it was a lot of fun. And, And meanwhile, I had just finished Leeds University with Fred. Cole, Fred Courage Cole. I said, I need a bit of dirt on Jamie. So for our viewers <laughs> listening, Jamie's looking a bit nervous now. Uh, we're actually on a Zoom call. And I said, come on, Fred, I need a bit of dirt. I'm interviewing Jamie uh, on our podcast tomorrow. And he said, ask him to tell you the story about streaking across a varsity rugby yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I behaved really badly in a lot of ways. But I once thought it was a really good idea. It was Leeds University versus Leeds Met. And it was kind of like the, the Crips versus the Bloods. I don't know why. There was this weird rivalry between us. And I made a bet with my friend that I would streak across the rugby pitch. And what came to it, we came into the stadium, there was about 40,000 people there, and suddenly I was being peer pressured into doing this dare, and I wasn't even drunk. I was like, surely I can't actually be doing this, but I'm at a new university, I need to really impress friends, I know how to impress people. This is what's really... I think I'm a legend. They're going to think I'm the biggest dude if I sprint across this rugby field naked. So I got naked in the stadium. I was shaking like a leaf. I was like, this is the worst thing. In midwinter in Leeds. And I ran across the pitch naked, ran up to a mutual friend of ours called Pete Ecclesley, who was playing in it, and (laughs) went to shake his hand. And he was so astonished that I was on the pitch. He didn't know what was going on. And then their number eight dump tackled me onto the (laughs) ground. 
and then I was handcuffed by the police and taken off the pitch. <laughs> oh, naked. Quite seriously, in, then. <laughs> yeah, in front of 40,000 people. Anyway, they took me down to sort of the underneath in this place, and the security guards said, Who are you? And I said, Oh, I, I pretend like I couldn't remember my name. And my name's so, it's Hercules. Yeah, it's Hercules. Listen, you'll know my name one day when, <laughs> when I appear on Strictly. That's <laughs> what so I said to him. You just watch this space. And anyway, <laughs> I'm going to be a star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be a star. So he said, uh, oh, Of course, off you go. <laughs> he, he, he said, Oh, what? You? So then he took me to the gates of the, the stadium. I'm completely butt naked, no shoes or no socks, nothing like that. And he pushed me outside the gates. I'm still handcuffed with these plastic handcuffs. And he, he said to me, These are the words he said to me. He said, Go on, mate, you're either going to get nicked or. <laughs> and I went, what? <laughs> so I had to then go and bang on a random person's house, handcuffed with my head. And this actually really nice guy gave me clothes, which was nice for him. So that was pretty bad. But Leeds University was, you know, this amazing place where we kind of grew up and we do all these different things. And it was a lot of fun. But it also is where, going back to the question, is where I wanted to start the sweet company. I had a sweet company idea. And the idea behind it was I wanted to make it a mixture between Willy Wonka and Hugh Hefner. <laughs> this was the idea right. at the beginning because I thought this would be a great idea surely sweets and like really beautiful people and this is epic and I then thought well okay Maiden Chelsea's still asking me to do this I can go down this road where you know I came out of Leeds University with a 2-2 in theatre performance I'm basically the most unemployable person that you can like, <laughs> I have no qualifications I really am not that good at being told what to do so I had a choice to go down a route which you know was always going to fail which I was going to go down this sort of route of working in the city or something like that or trying to get some sort of job or going to this other route where I could start this sweet company and go and join a TV show where I had no idea what was going to happen. So I made a promise to myself. I kind of said, right, if I do this TV show, then uh, I have to have a complete direction. I think it's really important in life, right, to have a direction. I was sitting with a guy once who he, he owns a big agency and he was talking to giving advice and he said, Jamie, if you're driving down the M1 to Leeds, never veer off to Manchester, know exactly where your destination is because otherwise you're going to get lost. And I went, okay, fine. So if I go and do Made in Chelsea and I want to start the sweet company, I have to know my direction. I have to know where I'm going to go and end up. Otherwise, all these things around me, I'm going to get lost and I'm going to have no brand whatsoever. So from the very beginning of that, I was like, right, it's going to be a huge risk. People are probably going to hate me because I'm just some, look, seem like some posh guy who doesn't, you know, lives with his parents' money. But I went and took the plunge and went and did it. So are you saying that you saw Made in Chelsea as a bit of a route to putting yourself on the map to then being able to launch your own business in terms of candy yeah. I think naivety is like one of the biggest weapons people have and they are so underestimated. I think a lot of people, when going into different businesses or going into work or going into setting up a business, whatever it is, they have to, they follow like a blueprint. So, so for example, so someone said to me once, I never follow logic because if you follow logic you get back in the same place as everybody else and it's so true like if you're setting up a brand or doing something never follow logic because why would you want to be in the same place as everybody else a crowded place mm. go completely against the grain and without knowing it I said well it's going to be a great place to market candy kittens I didn't really know I didn't really know what marketing was like mm. I was 20 my quote back then was the best business plan is no business plan take that to a bank I mean do <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean but it's, it was the night <laughs> yeah, yeah, I told you, it's rolling in now, guys. <laughs> it was the naivety that kind of helped me. I was very driven, always have been. I always knew what I wanted to do. I was never good at taking advice from anyone else, always listened to my gut. And why sweets? I mean, your family in McVitie's, is that right? Don't make that up. 
Yeah, yeah. So my great grandfather started McVitie's. Yeah, but so I, I, everyone tells me that I have these billions or millions. Away. I haven't seen any of these this money. So everyone <laughs> thinks I'm some like billionaire prick who just got given. But I don't actually have any of it. So I have been called the prick, but actually I don't have any of the wealth either. But you, you might have confectionery in your blood for those reasons. I think I had entrepreneurship. I think uh, being an entrepreneur is in the family. And I think it's one of those things where I kind of saw my parent and my dad and my, everyone always working for themselves. And I kind of thought, well, that's what I want to do. I never really understand the concept of making someone else's idea a success. Why wouldn't you just do it yourself mm. if you want to do it? That's my personal opinion. Other people are totally different to me. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, have you ever read that book? It's no, I've book. never read that book. Is it a good book? It says that I think until June every year you work for the tax man. So uh, it, it fits nicely with what you've just said. But yeah, why yeah, yeah. sweets? Where did the idea of sweets come from? I have to say that my household, <laughs> we are... I was going to bring a packet up and sit them next to me, but I thought I'd eat them and then I won't want to eat my supper. I don't have much Purse, so I didn't bring them up. They're the best. They are the best. The watermelon ones. Oh, oh god! So the strawberries and the strawberry. Yeah, well, I'm yeah. On the, oh. we're on the peach at the moment. Peach. I was going to say I couldn't remember what it was, yeah, but they're the ones that. Let's so name good. them all and the blueberry ones. <laughs> God, okay. they're all not an ad. Hashtag, <laughs> hashtag not an ad. We genuinely love your sweets. I mean, yeah. I do think it's clever. I mean, my husband was asking me about it, and I, and he said, "Who is he? This, you know, who's anyway, this, who is, who's who's this, this loser? Who I who is this guy racking up my phone bill dressed as Hercules?" <laughs> and I was like, "Well, he's actually created a seriously freaking cool brand." And to be fair on him. It's in all the major stores. I mean, you can buy them everywhere now, right? It's, a, it's an interesting one because, yeah, people always ask why sweets. And I always think with businesses, right, you know, and you guys know this, you have to live and breathe it. So you, you And you have to do it. It has to be like your best mate. So, you you know, I'm not going to go and set up. I'm not going to go and be Mr. Mr. Dyson and set up, you know, a Hoover because I'm just not that interested in it. And... I'm also not massively interested in making money's not my driving, you know, thing. I, I, for, for me, you know, business is paid in two currencies, cash and experience. Take the experience first and the cash can later. It's just a byproduct of what you do. You don't go into business to make the money. For me, it's about enjoying and having fun. And as a kid, I was scared of the dark. This is true. I was scared of the dark. And I wasn't allowed sweets because I was too hyper. So my brother used to tell me a story of Jamie and Sweet World. And throughout my entire life, I wanted to have a world made of sweets. That was my dream. Went to New York, saw Dylan's Candy Bar, said, this is incredible. Want to replicate this in the UK. So this was the idea where Willy Wonka meets Hugh Hefner. Met my business partner, Ed Williams, who's just a, a genius, an absolute genius. And he said, listen, let's not do a sweet shop. Let's do packets of sweets. And it went from there. And it was just because I have, and I still do have this love for sweets. And I think sweets are nostalgic. I think they're delicious. I think they're all these different things. And what's interesting is that, you know, I get a lot of the credit for, for Candy Kids because I'm the face of it, all those different things. But without the team that we have around us, it would be, you know, I'm very much sort of Lewis Hamilton that way. You know, it's are you, are you Are you comparing yourself to Lewis I was going to say, I am. sure. Yeah. <laughs> you go, aim high, Jamie. Listen, Lewis there's Hamilton. There's Lewis Hamilton like, and there's Jamie like, Lang. I mean, there <laughs> yeah. you go. Potato, potato. If, but I think with, you know, I'm definitely sort of the, the pilot in a sense, but it's the whole engine that makes the whole mm. thing work. And my business, without my business partner, it never would have worked. Without the team that we had, it never would have worked. And it was just, we were incredibly lucky with, and also incredibly unlucky in lots of different times. But thank God the luck outweighed the unluckiness. How did you launch? Where did you begin the process? Was there one product? How did you start getting it into stores? It's one of those weird ones where it's, it's, it's like impossible to... Google how do you make sweets? It does I mean that's literally what we did. We went okay, we'll Google this, and, and nothing came up. We're like, so how the fuck do we make sweets? And it is really complicated process to do it. And 
like setting up any brand, like if you do a jewelry brand or you do a clothes brand, you have to find the factory to make the clothes or make the jewelry or whatever it is. And you have to, it's a very long process. So I was doing Made in Chelsea at the time. I was talking about this brand, Candy Kittens, that was a complete ghost, didn't exist. But I think also a lot of people sometimes try and protect their brand and don't talk about it. But I think actually talking about something then sort of brings it into reality a lot more. And I don't think you should be scared to talk about what you're trying to create. So I just spoke about it. And so we created this ghost. And so we were trying to make sweets, but the sweets took two years to make. Uh, so we started off just selling clothes. So we set up a website and we started selling clothes that said, I'm a candy kitten on it, things like that. One of the most embarrassing moments of my entire life was I was walking down a, a, the road in London and there was a guy walking towards me wearing an I'm a candy kitten t-shirt. And we both looked at each other and oh. he was really disappointed in himself. <laughs> and, I, and I was so embarrassed Shame. for him. What are the chances? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, God, we're both losers here. Like, it's really... <laughs> Sorry, I've got so... no sweets. I've <laughs> yeah, got no sweets. <laughs> and he's wearing a T-shirt with my name. Yeah, yeah. But it took us, honestly, it took us two years to develop the sweets. We went to a sweet Where are they made? So they were made in Spain to begin with in a company called Vidal. And then we moved over to a German company about three, four years ago now called Catchers, who make our sweets for us now. And they're wonderful. And they've sort of partnered up with us and things like that. And so but it was a long process. And again, I go back, it was complete naivety. You know, the, the reason why our sweets were more expensive at the beginning is because we couldn't afford the margins. So we made mm. them more expensive. And therefore, mm. then they became a higher price gummy sweet, a, a sweet for adults. You know, we made them gluten free because we thought, oh, that'd be nice. And, you know, then, then people started going on this trend of this honestly it yeah. you know we wanted to make them vegan because we thought you know that you know vegan takes out the gelatin that's good then there was a whole vegan it was a, a lot of naivety not realizing what we were doing that actually sort of played a role so i always think that anyone who's going to go into a business follow your gut yes take advice and those different things but mm. you know it, it's a lot of it is down to hard work luck and not taking no for an answer we just never took no for an answer how much are they now? So we have different price points. We have our big bags, which are £2.49, which we sell in sort of Waitrose and everywhere. Then we have another bag, which is a smaller bag, which goes for £1.25, I think it is. Mm. Uh, and then we have, you have a £1 one as well. And so we do in different stages like that. That's how we And they're, they're sold where? Everywhere. I mean, they are everywhere, they are aren't everywhere. they? Yeah, they're, they're sold. Tesco's, Waitrose, Sainsbury's, Asda, Morrison's. And can you give us an idea on the size of the business? Like, you've got a team. I mean, um, I'm not expecting you to give us so, all your, yeah, we're worth all your numbers. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're so loaded. Um, it's funny, you know, <laughs> FMCG kind of businesses, right? Uh, the margins are very tight. So, it, you know, I'll give you an example. Do you know Tony's? chocolate yeah Tony's chocolate yes yeah delicious right Tony's chocolate incredible Charlotte's desk in our office I mean they are huge not just specifically Charlotte Charlotte and her team Charlotte just eats chocolate all the (laughs) time she really does (laughs) (laughs) so Tony's chocolate is an incredible brand they for the listeners it's like a big colourful Willy Wonka chocolate you kind of would if you you recognise if you saw it can we just say the speed at which they've created awareness for that brand is is amazing it's incredible it, it's really incredible. incredible, isn't it? This is my second podcast of the day, and it's my second Tony Chocoloni chat on a podcast of the Are day. Are you serious? Well. Yeah, I swear. No yeah. way. So, <laughs> I, I, I'm their biggest s- advocate. Yeah, yeah. You've been paid by Tony yeah, to say I'm an ambassador, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but their story is interesting. So they basically, three journalists went to Africa to talk about, talk about how bad the cocoa trade was and did an article on it. Uh, three Dutch guys. Anyway, no one took any notice of the article. So then they, what they did was is that they then went and tried try to set up a chocolate company and get themselves arrested for using a slave labor 
and that they didn't get arrested. So then they said, right, what we're going to do is we're going to set up a chocolate brand using a completely ethical way. So no slave labor, all this kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, their turnover is 72 million euros a year and they still don't make profit. They still wow. don't make profit because margins are so tight in these things. Yeah. And, and so with sweets and stuff like that. And how and, lovely to dedicate some of your podcasts to their success story. Yeah, yeah I just, well, I, I'm <laughs> such an, uh, yeah, yeah, well done guys. Uh, I hope they're <laughs> listening and I hope they do the same when it's their turn. You know, the same with you guys, Shaylax. I'm a huge admirer of people who have built brands and built something because I, I firstly we all know how hard it is to do it you know you definitely get those sort of zero to hero stories of people who you know overnight successes but it's very very rare for that to happen and it's a long hard scary awful exciting road but it's a headache and but would you say that you are now over the tipping point you know when did you launch the business in what year so we launched it eight years ago. We're the fastest growing confectionery business in the UK. So we That's sell a mega. Pack- yeah, That's which is mega. very cool. Yeah, yeah, so we sell a packet of candy kitten sweets every eight seconds. Oh, I love a stat like that. that. So- I love one of those. <laughs> but that's insane. So, yeah. so cha-ching. And, <laughs> and cha-ching. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I'm incredibly proud. But I had a lot of imposter syndrome with it to begin with. And I think that's happened with, you know, with, with a lot of different people. And I'm very proud of it now. I, again, I couldn't do it without the team and my business partner and I'm super proud of all of them and you know we work our asses off and you know some months are good some months are bad when lockdown happened we thought god we had to furlough four people and things like that and then it kind of did a turnaround that actually went the opposite way which was great for us but I feel incredibly lucky and blessed but it is also down to hard work you just got to work hard with it and one thing I must have said is it must be weird coming out of Made in Chelsea or being in Made in Chelsea and people having this preconceived idea of you being some tough privileged guy yeah. with a Vitti's whatever business behind him yeah, and yeah, actually yeah. it is amazing and you have built a really freaking cool brand and you should be mega proud and that's incredible one every eight seconds so like yeah. I mean you deserve that support more because I'm sure people don't necessarily want to hand it out when they kind of have a pre- well, preconceived idea of you so it really is cool yeah but what's, t- what's, totally what's, but Georgie with you so exactly with, with you know sort of sheer lux did you ever have that sort of imposter syndrome with it or were you always kind of like quite sort of like yes. no yeah it yes. does it happens right you but kind who of, are you if you don't stop and go god especially if you're young and you do it in your 20s it's yeah. like it's one thing if you're 50 and you've got loads of life experience behind you and you set something up but how could you not if you do something in your 20s I think the goalposts move, don't they? So you, you sort of think, God, I'll get to this this stage of my business or this size of my business and I'll feel like I'm a success and I've made it. And then by the time you get there, you realise actually there's so much further to go and more to do. So you don't ever really stop and yeah in the back. it's totally that you know exactly and also you know w- when we first started we were scrabbling over, you know and then we have like a million pound month and that now then it, it constantly goes ahead but so w- when does that sort of stop going so i think it, it's interesting in germany right 53 percent of businesses still family run it, it's incredible yeah. and you know they're the third biggest econo- right. economy yeah and they're the third biggest economy in the world i think that a lot of people are very qu- quick to sell and that's fine. And if, and if you want to make money and do that, that's great. Alex Ferguson, ex-Manchester United manager, they said to him, why don't you retire? He said, well, if I retire, I'm waiting to die. And it's kind yeah. of the same with a business. When you sell a business, yes, it's exciting, but then you kind of lose a sense of purpose. And yet, I perhaps- interviewed Charlie Bigham not Did very you? long ago. And I asked him about it and he said, what, what is this fascinating, what is this obsession with being British and building a business and having to sell it? Why do we yeah. always just, why does the goal have to be to sell it? I have this weird thing that unless someone wants to buy my business, I don't feel like I'll ever have really <laughs> succeeded in building something. So if no one else wants it, then what was the point? But I just did think when Charlie said that, what a good 
Mm. Point. I'm also someone who thinks quit while you're ahead. You, you also might don't have, bloody stupid. But you don't have to sell for somebody to want to buy your business. There's a two, there's a, they're mutually True. exclusive. No, True. It, It'd be nice it, to have it, them lining up around the block, though, wouldn't it? Would be nice, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's always it's it, it's nice to be popular, right? That's you know people like True. being popular, and if, and if your business is popular and want people, then it's a very flattering thing. But I definitely agree with Charlie Bingham. I think that we have this obsession with building business and selling them. Honestly, if you build a business and it's a success to the point where someone wants to buy it, keep hold of it. I don't understand, you know, because you can then drive a faster car or have a bigger house, I suppose, but actually you kind of lose the sense of purpose. We get given this assumption, this idea that actually making money and all that is that success side of things is what gives you all the happiness, but it actually isn't. There's two levels of happiness, the higher level and the lower level. The lower level is fame, wealth, power, all the things that you want to achieve. But when you achieve these things, you actually don't realize why you're not happy. The mm-hmm. higher level is loyalty, friendship, relationships, purpose. And I think that's... You've got to make some money to sustain your business, though. That's the, that's the only catch. <laughs> true. Uh, true. But, that's, uh, but I think that's the... It's not everything. Yes. It's lovely to have the liberty to do what you want to do. But For I sure. don't understand the obsession with wanting to sell. That's mm, mm. sometimes what I don't get. But yeah. if someone wants to buy a company, great. <laughs> yeah, but if you're in the market for a confectionery company. So you're not planning to sell. What, what comes next? More flavours? Other products? What is the plan for Candy Kittens? Well, you know, we sold 50% of our business to this German company. So they own 50% of the business and, and then me and my business partner own the rest. And we want to start moving into the States. We just launched in Walmart in the States, which is really amazing and really exciting. Again, massive. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really. And and Walmart. You're quite clever with your name there as well, weren't you, Candy? That's quite quite smart. Yeah, make it universal. That was always the idea from the beginning. And also just dropping a a little shop called Walmart. (laughs) (laughs) You may have heard of it. You may have heard of uh, Walmart. But again, it's a different beast. And uh, I tell you what really sort of makes you feel good. I can't even think of the word right now. Uh, it's all that samba I've been doing today. But, the, <laughs> uh, but have you ever read a book called Shoe Dog, which is the mm. guy who started Nike? Yeah. Yeah, he, he always talks about how, you know, he was always upset and concerned and disappointed and worried, until they floated their company, until they made it go public. And then he made a huge heap of money, but he was always concerned every single day that it was going to fail. And I think that's... Mm kind of where we always are, always thinking mm. that surely at some point this is someone's going to find out that we're not experts it's, in the It's that world. old imposter syndrome, isn't it? Rearing its ugly head. Look at that little cyclical we just did. <laughs> <laughs> so what, tell us, what is life like in the public eye? Do you enjoy it? Like, you've committed now to a way of life, haven't you? And, yeah. you know, you're so watchable and entertaining. Also super smart, clearly. But, like, you, you made your bed. You made your bed, really. And you're going to have yeah. to lie in it now. And you are lying in it because you're still a maid in Chelsea, right? So you haven't opted out yet. I've taken a back seat Step back, back, back seat. What have I? I've taken something. (laughs) I've taken something. Look, what do I think about fame in general? I think that fame is. Jude Law said something once. So he said, "Don't believe the hype. Don't believe the hype." I mean, it is honestly. Yes, having some sort. We we were never famous. I definitely thought I was way more famous when I was young. I thought I was like Jesus. I am famous. (laughs) And actually, I was just a complete prick. I think that's about it. But I think. Firstly, it's nonsense. Secondly, it's one of these things that you think 
you need to always have if you have it. And this is what I, I thought at the beginning. I thought, well, I, I, what happens if I suddenly am I'm not known or something? And it actually, it doesn't really matter at all. And I'm definitely not Justin Bieber where people are following me with paparazzi, you know. They'll be like, oh, there's that bloke from Strictly. That's pretty much what you get. So it's, it's totally fine and relaxed. And there's lots of positives to it. And there's also lots of negatives. There was Matt Damon said once, it's so true. He said uh, he's so happy that he won an Oscar uh, when he was really young and he won it for Goodwill Hunting because he realized how insignificant it is. <laughs> and I always so... tell people that quote. Yeah, yeah I met, he said on Graham Norton and he was like, it's, I realize how, what an anticlimax it is. And I'm so lucky I learned that at such a young age. Yeah, 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 yeah. it's so true. And, and, and it's, I think it's the same with fame. Fame is a real anticlimax because you think you're like, oh, well, I'm, 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 I'm going to be the happiest person ever. And then you suddenly go, oh, it's just not. It's just the same thing as everyone else, just people want to take your picture more. That's and did you have is. a turning point? Because you, like you said, it's nonsense, but obviously there was the, point, the bit at the beginning where you thought it was so fabulous. So did something happen that made you realise, whoa, I need to step back a bit and get some perspective? I mean, yeah, I, there, there were lots of things. I, you know, mainly just in the beginning, you know, we had to do these things called PAs and basically you were paid to go to a nightclub. Yeah. And you were paid to go and drink and, and tough, isn't it? I mean, it, that God, is really just, shit, isn't it? It was really. Awful. But it must take its toll. Like in all seriousness, that actually must take its toll a bit. Yeah, that, that's that's why. So at the beginning, it's like, well, I mean, paid this amount of money to turn up to a nightclub yeah. and just do this, and you know, you think you're a rock star because mm. you go onto these and people scream and, and you. So you're you're filled with sort of this false image of yourself almost. And then what happens is, is that you neglect friends, you neglect family, you become a bit too big for your boots, uh, naturally. And you suddenly get to an age, which I was, I was about 26, 27. And I suddenly was like, oh my God, I've been a real asshole for quite a long time. And I was never mean or anything like that. It's just, I was so self-centered and I drank too much and I wasn't focusing on, you know, we, I was running a business and I was, my business partner was every day just exhausted with my, my attitude and things like that. And so it was a point where I was about to go to the South of France to film in the South of France. I remember I wanted to go on, on a night out and I remember thinking, who do I phone right now? Who do I phone? And I was like, God, I haven't spoken to that guy for a long time and I haven't spoken to that person for a long time and they neglected that person and not picked that person's calls up. And suddenly I was like, wow, it was a real sort of turning point that I had probably not behave the best way and and you know friends and family are so important for I mean I wish I was writing down I mean you, you there's, there's, there's tips so yeah. many you, there's, worry, a tip, there's a tips to Christmas stocking filler in Jamie Lang, Lang yeah. I think Lang Lang how do you pronounce your surname honestly anyway I, I'm, I'm like you Bowie don't is it say, Bowie is you, it Bowie I like Bowie but what do you say yes you can you say Lang, to some very high polluting people in this podcast just comparing myself to Lewis Hamilton David Bowie but it, it's meant it's Scottish, so it's meant to be Lang. But Lang. my entire life, everyone has said Lang. So I just, honestly, it doesn't bother it's me. It's not, I, though, is it? Honestly, it doesn't matter. Someone okay. once introduced me to someone completely different at, like, an award show. And I was like, oh, my God, this is you embarrassing. It's not even embarrassing for him. It's embarrassing for me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I yes, like, oh, I am. I'm, uh, yeah, yes, I am embarrassed right now. I've got down on my list of questions that uh-huh. we need to ask you about Sophie. Now, mm. we've got a lot of love for Sophie at Sherlock. She's an mm. absolute rock star. What a yeah, babe. Yeah. I mean, you must yeah. be pinching yourself, frankly. Listen, I, I definitely do. I mean, I, when, when we walk down the street and the guys are looking at me and they just think, how? Um, <laughs> and I go, 
Uh, listen, she says the same thing, I think. <laughs> I think I've sort of quite known for having different relationships, but with Soph, she's just a, yeah, she's a, a rock star man. And I think with what's important in relationships is that you want to be with your mates because you have to hang out with each other a lot and they have to be your freaking buddy. And yeah, we're just so buddies. And, and, and also she's better than me in every way. She's hotter. She's got better legs. <laughs> she can speak Spanish. You know, so she's just awesome. Do you, you love know. her more than she loves you? I, I read somewhere once that said, yeah. in a relationship, one person is always going to love the other one slightly more. I said to my husband, yes. how's that feel? He's yes. like, yeah, I mean. I she's, she's annoyed when I, I say it to her. I, 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 say, I say that I love her. And then she told me to stop saying it so much. I was like, what? Oh. <laughs> she goes, she goes, and she said, because it's meaningless. I was like, you never say it. You never <laughs> Yeah, that, that would mean something. You know, and then also, and she'll hate me for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Things like, okay, enjoying lockdown, I put on a little bit of weight, all right? And, you know, in lockdown, you're spending a lot of time with each other. So we thought, okay, maybe we'll get intimate with each other tonight. And I got on top of her and she went, ugh. And I was like, sorry. What? And she went, get on with it. And I went, that was so flattering. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, sorry that I put on weight and this is, this is an issue for you. Yeah. So, well, thankfully, you're now practicing the Sambra all day. So that weight is listen, gone. Yeah, now I honestly walk in here and she's, she's like, what is that? That, that dance I see from the TV I'm just like, yeah, it might be <laughs> um, but it's all good right you guys seem like dreamily awesome. happy and how long she's have a you, top girl how long have you been together we've been together uh, sort of officially for about a year but we've sort of been dating for a year and a half no like a year and a half two years maybe we've been sort of dating each other and it's cheesy but I'm, I'm a way better person because of her um, and, and she's just a good person I she made me into a sort of better person I think oh, that's how it should be and she's pootling around the kitchen making you supper I think she does yeah. that's what she, and, and also she gets honestly so we moved into this new flat and we have a sofa right we have a sofa that we meant to watch I can't even sit on the sofa I'm not allowed to because apparently I make it dirty I so know I my to, husband's like you tidy me away if you could yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm literally like where do I sit so I, I had I came this back is your I, zone this <laughs> is your zone do not leave any belongings no, no man belongings. lives here no belongings anywhere and so I have to like sit on like the, the carpet and then she'll get up and clean the carpet as well <laughs> right? so I'm like I'm not that dirty how so are she, you with poofing cushions I don't poof she does honestly and then I make the bed sometimes and she'll remake the bed because yeah. I've done it wrong yeah. like this is what it's happening isn't it <laughs> I don't get it just a tip for you Jamie the zips on the cushions they go yeah. down oh but even Bottom boys know that down. no I've been married <laughs> I've been married that. what 14 years the zips still don't go down oh, my nose fuck sake I mean <laughs> But she is, so. but she's, and, and as you guys, you know, so the relationships are hard. Charlotte, are you in a relationship? I am married. She's a married oh, lady. Ah, uh, chucks. There we lady. go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, damn it. Oh, damn it. <laughs> that one's out. Well, that, yeah. But um, it's, it, relationships are hard. So, you know, and they're not the easiest things in the world. And I'm freaking difficult. And... You know, you guys are probably difficult, but you're. I think everyone's hard. difficult. Yeah. No, like, but do you know what? Difficult. Do you know what? Do you know what? They shouldn't be that hard. Like no, no. If it's if it's meant to be at this stage of our lives, I mean, I'd like to think I'm your age. Sadly, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Char- <laughs> right, Charlotte, I'm with you. Do me a favour. <laughs> Charlotte, that sarcastic head tilt. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a little. She knows that I was forty last week. Um, yeah, she, thinks she thinks I'm another generation. <laughs> I am. Wait, anyway, when's your birthday? It was on Wednesday. Oh, hang on. 
I'm, Same I'm, as you. Are you 3rd November? 3rd November. Everyone Ooh, is 3rd yeah. November. Yeah. I know. Everyone All the best people. Yeah. I saw that, actually. I yes, did I see saw that you on It Takes Two on your birthday, actually. Thanks. Uh, well, birthday. happy Thank so happy birthday for Tuesday, it was, wasn't it? And happy birthday to you, too. Thanks. But, but also, yeah, I agree, the relationships... I mean, when I say that, they're not, relationships aren't hard, but they're also, you have to work on them. You know, you, have, you so I, I'm irritating. Like, I'm, yeah, I am irritating. You have um, to work on yourself in a relationship. Like, no, I'm more, a fucking more than the pain. Yeah. I'm a fucking pain. I mean, I send everything back in a restaurant. My husband and I, we went away <laughs> no, for my birthday. No, you don't. And I, they did, they bought me a Hendrix and Slimline tonic with no cucumber. And I think I asked for cucumber four times. To the extent I got up and went to the kitchen and said, could I have some cucumber? No, you we'll didn't. Bring, we'll, oh. we'll bring, this is true. They said, we'll bring you some cucumber. And they then came along with a tray and he tried to take, I said, do not take that glass. Put it down. I said, all I want is these cucumbers. <laughs> they went. I got Georgia, the I would have poisoned I think your drink. If I, was, yeah. if I yeah. was the bottle, I would have poisoned well, it. Well, my husband and I, that's why I wasn't letting him take my glass, because I thought he might spit in it. I said, bring me the cucumber and I can wipe it down. Anyway, I, my husband and I, <laughs> wipe, it wipe it down. Why are we going to wipe it down? Because he, he might have, he might have licked it or something, right. or mm-hmm. trod on it or something. Right. So anyway, gonna, where's he going to put the cucumber that you need to well, wipe it down? My husband and I, we so then got the giggles, the two of us, about my cucumber scenario. So, you know, all I'm saying is, if it's not good in the yeah. early days, if it's that hard, then... I, I totally agree with you. You know and, what I mean, and, don't you? Yeah, I absolutely know what you mean. And I've been in uh, many relationships where I've sort of continued it when it probably isn't right, and probably likewise all the way around. But with Soph, I'm very blessed that it's pretty effortless. Aww. And it's been a hard year for all relationships as and well. You know, if you're yeah. going to be tested, I think this was the year to be tested. Yeah, God, going into lockdown together... Paul also had to come down to the countryside because I, I honestly went like Rambo and said they're going to be looting people are going to be going through the windows I did that I stockpiles not not like not important things I should say like uh, dairy wanna, milk yeah, you no, were I knocking was, old people I, out of the way Tony Blatchard was candy I'm the, the special Charlotte. person who didn't, didn't bother taking any toilet roll just chocolate like, that was me but yeah no we, it was fine it I heard Charlotte used bad. to go and used to beat up all the old people mm-hmm. in yeah that was me <laughs> get off my pony get out of the way vulnerable person <laughs> Jamie, we've got to get back onto Strictly before yeah. we finish. So you're having a ball yeah. and you're doing the Samba next week. How is it in lockdown? Is it, I mean, obviously you had a taste of what it was like last uh-huh, year. Uh-huh. I've been to the show, haven't mentioned, uh, a couple of times to watch it. <laughs> it's great how, fun. How long is that in the audience? Oh, that's a when real... When Sophie came in to record yeah. Lux Girl, she was like, and Jamie thinks I'm going every week. I was like, hun, <laughs> do you know how long it is? I say, you're there for hours. She's and like, also, I know, I know. Prob- it's probably shorter this year because they've done the group dance already right those it are pre-recorded is, so it's normally longer right. yes yeah, so, so it is so it's still a, it, you know I think it's, it's about seven hours <gasps> a, yeah with with oh a gosh. with a group dance and you and also for continuity you all have to stay in your chair yeah. and it's and then so I honestly pause so firstly I, I I was in the dance off and I looked at Sophie and she I, I thought she was going to pee herself with disappointment and upsetness <laughs> so she was just so nervous and then also then the other time was just after I danced I looked at her like this and I was like oh my god like you know was it okay and she just looked at me and went I'm freezing 
was like, perfect. Thanks, thanks for the support. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. thanks for the support. <laughs> <laughs> with it. And she had to wear this mask. That, of that course, squash. Yeah, it was yeah. that see-through mask that just squashed. Her face. <laughs> oh, so she God. looked That's awesome. That's love, isn't it? She can't come now, right? She can't come now, but honestly, mm. I think she gets pretty much routine every night anyway. And, and, she, and do you know what? She's my harshest critic, but the best one. She, she'll say to me, Jamie, honestly, you're shit. I don't know what else to say. And I'm like, but can you not see my lines here? And then she's like, no, you're Aww. shit. I don't like, and you open your mouth and yeah, I try to show her this dance routine. And she said, honestly, I can't watch you irritate me too much with your mouth. So I can't watch it. Well, at like, least she oh, keeps uh, you grounded. Oh, you know? Well, well I, think, I think, Jamie, on that note, given that you've got the samba to do on Saturday, I'm concerned that you know it, it's got a bit of a stigma attached that you better get training and 100%. Um, I think we better leave it there but what fun to chat to you thanks and also guys can I just say I'm a huge admirer of your brand as well I think it's incredible what you guys have done um, I think it's really amazing and you guys in the most unpatronized way should be so proud it's really freaking amazing Oh, that's super Perfect. kind thank, thank you. you thank you that means a lot so much like in Strictly we will be voting Thanks, my husband will be cursing your name every Saturday <laughs> yes. and yes. long may it last and keep sending the candy kittens because we love them if you haven't <laughs> bought them buy the candy kittens because Thanks, they're damn damn good that's it for this week if you enjoyed that then do please rate review subscribe and tell your friends we'll be back soon bye bye <laughs> 